Can you hear me? Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm excited to be here this morning. We, uh, we're giving thanks. We've given thanks. And, uh, and I've got a nice and short, sharp and shiny message prepared to hit straight home in your heart. It's still on. We're good. Are we good? Let's pray before we start. Right now, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come into this place. We pray, God, that you would help us to open our hearts to hear from you, to hear from your word, that it might change us from the inside out, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're doing work behind the scenes. And we thank you, Father, for your life-changing word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. It's the end of the year. Is anyone excited that it's the end of the year? Is anyone exhausted that it's the end of the year? We've got here. We've got here. And in a few weeks' time, uh, we'll have an, another new year, and it will start all over again. Very good. You know, we've come to this place uh, this year. We've preached on the Ten Commandments all the way through to the beginning of last month, beginning of this month. And uh, we went through commandment by commandment. Many of you will remember that we've learned exactly how to behave ourselves. And then we began two weeks ago uh, a new series called The Road to Christmas. And Nathan began The Road to Christmas at the very beginning of time with Adam and Eve. And uh, we, t we talked about how from the beginning, when we were separated from God, God had a plan to reunite people with him in relationship with him. Then last week, Pastor Chris shared about how over the centuries, the coming of the Savior was foretold. It wasn't a surprise. And yet the Israelites got very good at waiting. They became so good at waiting and very comfortable in the structure of the law. And this morning, I want to pick up the story right before Jesus comes, right before God completely changes his relationship with his children. We all, I want to talk this morning about John the Baptist, who's a great character in the Bible who comes to prepare the way for the Lord. Who knows John the Baptist? Has anyone heard of him? Very good. If you haven't, you're going to find out some things this morning. He comes to prepare the way for Jesus. He comes to prepare the hearts of the people. He's basically saying, God's about to move. Don't miss the move of God. I feel like that word is prudent for us this morning because this year our church has begun a great journey with God in a whole new and fresh way. And I believe the word we need to hear is, hey, Prepare your hearts because God is going to move. Don't miss the move of God that's happening in this church. So let's begin. At this point in the road to Christmas, God is about to put his people through a rite of passage from adolescence to adulthood. When I turned 18, my parents decided that they were going to wash their hands clean of me. They basically decided on the day of my 18th birthday, they had done enough disciplining, they had done enough teaching of how to live and how to behave, and they decided on your 18th birthday, you will, you will make decisions for yourself. And up until that point, I had, uh, there was a rule in our house that I wasn't allowed to drive with pea platers. 
and that was really difficult because at the same time, there was another rule that said that I wasn't allowed to get my L plates until I was 18. And then on top of that, there was another rule which was like, uh, basically, we won't drive you anywhere uh, unless it's really, really, really like we really desperately need you to. Otherwise, you can get a bike or catch a bus. So I've got all my mates. They've all got P plates. They're all driving themselves places. They're all driving with each other. And I don't have parents who can drive me. I can't drive myself, and I'm not allowed to drive with them. So I'm in a conundrum, right? And so my 18th birthday comes along, and I said to mum, hey, mum, do you reckon I could drive with... Um, a P-plater, because it's like I was probably asking about Ben or something, and 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 I think Ben, you were like the one sanctioned driver. Ben was like, you can drive with Ben, but nobody else gets permission. I was like, do you think I can drive with such and such now? Is that all right? They said, you're 18 now. The choice is now yours. It's up to you. Oh, <laughs> and there's this whole new, fresh sense of responsibility, like. Before, if I disobeyed and something went wrong, well, I was like, well, I disobeyed my parents. If I obeyed my parents and something went wrong, well, I was like, well, I was just doing what they said that I should do. Now, it's up to me. So if something goes wrong, I'm the only person who's accountable for that decision. And I remember the first time I got in a car with someone who wasn't Ben and who, who wasn't on their full license. And I thought, all right, come on, you can do this, Brendan. You, you've got this. Um, it's fine. They're a safe driver. Uh, and, you know, the rules, I mean, are really crippling and hindrance. So, so just, just do it. You'll be fine. So I get in the passenger seat just outside of our house. And, and the other person who was driving was a bit nervous as well because they're like, you know, you're not, you don't normally drive with us. So she's sitting there and she's like, it's, it's going to be fine puts the car into drive. I don't know how she pulled into the curb, but however she pulled into the curb, as soon as she started, she just went straight further into the curb and hit two Sulo bins and they both came crashing over. And she sort of stops like that and says, I am a good driver. I promise you, I am a good driver. And all of a sudden I thought, oh dear Lord, I've made the wrong decision. <laughs> And so I had this rite of passage where on a certain day, all of a sudden, the choice was mine. I was no longer under the law of my parents. I was no longer being, being completely disciplined by my parents. They so say, you're an adult now. The choice is yours. They figured we've looked after him. We've taught him right and wrong. We've shown him how to live within those boundaries. Now he's an adult. He has to choose the path for himself. And God did something very similar with his people. Let me take you back to show you the three covenants, the three promises that God gives to his people. It begins with the first covenant where God makes Abraham a promise. Long ago in the Old Testament when the, the nation of Israel is very young, in Genesis 12, 2-3 it says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. That sounds good, doesn't it? I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Genesis 17 says, I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you 
for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. So here God's giving his people a promise. What qualifies the people to receive the promise? The key is when he says, you and your descendants after you. And so what qualifies them to receive the promise? It's their birthright. It's how they're born. If you were born as a descendant of Abraham, then you qualified for that promise. And it was symbolized by circumcision, which was done to young infants. And it's almost as if the covenant, the promise, is like with an infant nation, a young nation. Because he's acting like an infant. Imagine getting a baby and saying, what qualifies you for my love? What qualifies you for me being a parent? Well, it's like, well, you're mine. You just were born as my child. That's the deal. And so the Israelites were born into the line of Abraham, so they received his promise. Then, skip forward a couple hundred years, or I, I didn't do the math on that, so I don't know exactly how much it is. But you skip forward a period of time. And here, the second covenant comes into play. God gives the law to Moses. It's, the nation has now aged a little. He brings them out of Egypt and says, guys, this is how I want you to live. And in Exodus 19.5, it says, Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Deuteronomy 7.12, If you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you. And he swore, as, as he swore to your ancestors, 11.26-28, See, I am setting, you before, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, the curse, if you disobey. Okay, so before you qualified for the promise, just by how you were born, right? Now the nation's aged a bit and things have changed. It's like it's, like it's a child now. It's like, on, it's like an episode of Super Nanny where she realizes everyone's misbehaving. See, the Israelites were misbehaving before that, but they didn't get any kind of punishment like what they're about to get now. They get sat down as a nation and they say, right, here's the ground rules. Here's the house rules. These are all the expectations that we have of you. If you disobey, you'll be punished. If you obey, then you'll be blessed. So now, God's promise, you qualify for God's promise by your behavior. So first, you qualified by how you were born. Now you're qualifying by how you behave. It's symbolized through their circumcision and their offerings. Whenever they make a mistake and step outside of the law, they come and bring an offering to God and say, God, I'm sorry, please put my sin onto this animal or onto this offering, and then you burn that up and my sin will be destroyed with it. And so now they're trying to make good with God. And I feel like that's like a child or a teenager. So the, the nation has aged and God's saying, look, I'm going to do my discipline to you. That was like me before I turned 18. Parents rule the house. They say, these are the ground rules. This is how I want you to live. And then comes the third covenant. And that's where our story picks up this morning. 
because God sends Jesus. He's about to change the ground rules. Again, he's about to shift the relationship with his people. Luke 16, 16 says this, the law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone forces his way into it. And so we pick up, we meet this character, John the Baptist. Is anyone enjoying this little Bible lesson this morning? It's going to get good, but you've got to come with me. So John the Baptist, he's this guy, he was born slightly, he's slightly older than Jesus. John's mother Elizabeth was pregnant at the same time as Jesus' mother Mary. Before and after his birth, John's birth is prophesied as, uh, one, as one who will prepare the way for the Lord. Luke 3, 7-9 says this, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of viper, so he started, he started preaching here. He's gone out into the wilderness. How would you like that if I started a message like that? You just get up, you say, Brendan's coming up to speak, and I say, you're all snakes. <laughs> you brood of vipers, he said. That doesn't mince his words. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. That's interesting. He's saying, and do not, do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. He's saying, at the very beginning, you qualified because you were born right because you're a descendant of Abraham. He said, that doesn't qualify you anymore because it had changed. Now you, they qualified by their behavior. Then he says, he calls on people to stop sinning, to turn, turn to God and repent from their sin. He says, the ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And just imagine the lumberjack standing there and he's got the chainsaw right at the tree and he's about to cut down the tree and he's saying, God, is this one good or not? He's like, check the fruit. Has it got any fruit? No fruit. Mm. Cuts it down. And their behavior wasn't cutting it. So I can imagine them going through the forest, finding a whole lot of trees without any fruit. Because rather than trying to do good, rather than trying to move close to God, rather than trying to repent and, and, and receive forgiveness for their sins... They were obsessed with the law and counting things, making sure they're doing everything right without doing good. So they're obsessed with their behavior, but their behavior isn't cutting it. The law is not being fulfilled. You see, the Israelites back then, and you and I today, we will never be good enough to fulfill the law. Those, those comments, those statements like, I'm only human. Has anyone said that? I'm only human. Nobody's perfect. We say those for a reason, because we're only human and nobody's perfect. And so the law was not being fulfilled. Only a completely perfect person could come and win God's approval. Only a perfect person who was born right, who behaved right, could come 
and restore and fulfill the law. Here's one for you who like alliteration. Only only someone with the right pedigree or the perfect performance could come and fulfill the law. Thankfully, John pronounces this. He says, there's a new way coming. I baptize with water, but there is someone much greater than me coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So he's saying, there's a new way coming. There's a new way coming between me and you, between God and his people. Before you've relied on the law, before you've relied on doing everything the right way to qualify to receive God's promise. But there is a new way coming. He's introducing a new covenant. You see, it wasn't for people with the right background or the right behavior. It was for those who believed. So first, he wanted you to be born right. Then he wanted you to behave right. Now, it's about believing. What do you believe? And that is a covenant that he makes with an adult nation. It's as if at the beginning, the nation was a baby. Then it was a child and a teenager and he taught his people how to live. He showed them the rules. And then they graduate. They turn 18 and, they say, and he says, right, I've shown you how to live. I've shown you how, how I want you to live. I've shown you how you can be in relationship with me now the choice is up to you. They are free to choose. Their actions still have consequences, but they're no longer dis- disciplined by their parents. It's like the kid who moves out of home. Now the relationship's not dictated by necessity or dictated by discipline. The relationship comes from choice. The choice is this. Will I accept Jesus and will I follow Jesus? I heard J. John (coughs) modernizing the story of John the Baptist, and I would like to relay that to you this morning. He imagines what it would have been like if John the Baptist was in modern times, and he's gone out into the wilderness, to the desert, and he's having his grasshopper sandwich with honey on the side, because grasshoppers are a bit salty, aren't they? So you've got to get the sweet and salty together. He's in the wilderness and thousands of people are going to hear him preach. And he's saying, you vipers, turn from your sin. Be forgiven. He can't be in the desert. He's got to baptize people in water. He's in the wilderness. There's water there somewhere. He's found an oasis. Thousands of people are going. He's baptizing them. He's saying, look, whatever, what sins have you committed? What, what is holding you back from God? What's separating you from God? Let's baptize you as a symbol of your forgiveness of sin, that you've turned away from the old life of sin and you've been reborn. But it's chaos. There's thousands of people around. And so this young MBA guy who's just graduated from Harvard or something, he's, he, he, he hears about John the Baptist and he goes to sea and there's big crowds of people all gathering around John the Baptist, but it's chaotic. And he says, John, hey, why don't I help you out a little? Why don't I help organize things? So, so what we'll do is this. John says, well, I, like, I'm doing pretty well. He says, but I can do it better. 
He says, what I'll do is I'll organize the people into lines and I'll train some people and the people will sit at desks and they'll come to the desks in line, in lines. And then at the front of the line, the person who I've trained will say to them, right, what's your biggest sin? And then we'll write their biggest sin on, on a piece of paper and we'll slap it on their chest and then they'll come to you and you can encompass all of their sins and their biggest sin and then you can look at their sin and say, right, we'll baptize you and there you go. And that way we'll get them through much faster and more people can be baptized. John says, great, do it. So he goes away and he trains all the people. He organizes it, brings the desks in, brings the badges in. He lines all the people up. He says, right. Next. What's your name? Margaret. Margaret. What's your biggest sin, Margaret? I just love other people's things. Coveter. <laughs> Next, Jason. What's your, what's your biggest sin, Jason? I just can't stop lying. Liar. Next, what's your name? Anna. Anna. What's your biggest sin, Anna? I've stolen loads of stuff. Right. Thief. Next, Matthew, Matthew. What's your biggest sin, Matthew? I've had an affair. Adulterer. <laughs> Next, Julie. Julie, what's your biggest sin, Julie? I took someone's life. Murderer. Next, what's your name? Mark, Mark. What's your biggest sin, Mark? Oh, I don't respect my parents. Dishonorer of parents. Next, Sarah. Sarah. What's your biggest sin, Sarah? Oh, I don't keep the Sabbath. Sabbath breaker. Next, James. James. What's your biggest sin, James? Oh, I misuse the name of the Lord. Blasphemer. Next, Beth. Beth. What's your biggest sin, Beth? I have idols in my house. Idol worshiper. Next, what's your name? Jesus. Jesus. What's your biggest sin, Jesus? None. What's your biggest sin, Jesus? None. What's your littlest sin, Jesus? None. None. Margaret, give me your badge. Jason, give me your badge. Ruth, give me your badge. Julie, give me your badge. Anne, Give me your badge. Hakey, give me your badge. Simon, give me your badge. Carl, give me your badge. Mike, give me your badge. 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 This is the God that we're talking about. This is the God who, whatever we've done, He is perfect. And He says, let me take what you've done onto myself. He says, give me your badge. Nothing is too big for me. He, does, he says, you don't have to be born right anymore. You don't have to behave right anymore. All you need to do is believe in me. 
if you can believe and accept me, I will take your sin upon myself. And that's what he did on the cross. You see, because he was born right. He behaved right. And so he was the only one who could fulfill the law. And now, where before we would come to God and he would say, well, you can't come too close because of what's written on your badge. Now, Jesus takes our badge from us. And he says, I'll wear your badge. He says to John the Baptist, right, now. Now I'm ready. Now you can baptize me. You know, this morning, I would like to offer the opportunity for people to say, Jesus, you can take my badge. Because he offers to take our badge which has our sins written on it. But we have to give it over to him. Jordan, would you stand with me? Every one of us, every one of us has fallen short of God's glory, of his goodness. Every one of us has something to write on our badge. And yet Jesus says, let me take your badge. You see, because a badge separates us from God. But the good news is that Jesus died so that you wouldn't have to pay the price for your wrongs. Before, people used to have to pay for the things that they did wrong. In the same way that when you're a teenager, you you get punished if you do bad stuff. That's not the case anymore because Jesus took the punishment away. He says, hey, you're an adult now. Grow up. Take responsibility for your actions. You get to choose now. You get to choose. All we have to do is believe in Jesus. He takes away our sin. He takes our badge. Then God sees us as holy and perfect and righteous. Why don't you close your eyes this morning? Before I give people the opportunity to ask Jesus to come into their heart for the first time, I just want to pray with us. Let's just welcome the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're in this place that you love every one of us so deeply that you are with us that you're in us, that you guide us thank you God that Jesus died on the cross so that we could be in intimate and personal and close relationship with you we open our hearts to you God we set aside all the things that distract us all the things that consume us 
God's to you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place. Please speak to every one of us, God. from my old life and I put my life in your hands I ask that you come into my heart this morning I thank you for dying for me on the cross and I thank you that my badge is now on you Jesus, we pray. Amen. Awesome. Fantastic. Congratulations, guys. Let's give him a hand. Awesome. Well done. You can take a seat. Fantastic. <laughs> 